So before Brian comes comes to preach to us, um, we'll have our Bible readings that Nina's going to read for us this morning. first reading this morning is taken from Isaiah 11, verses 1 to 10, and is on fa- found on page 696 in your pew Bibles. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy, With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash that goes around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his place of rest will be glorious. The second reading is taken from Matthew Chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. John the Baptist prepares the way. Sorry, this is on page 967 of your Bibles. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt round his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. 
But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Thanks be to God. You better start praying that St. George's won't be panicking if I don't arrive on time. Um, let's pray. Oh, loving Lord, help us now to listen, uh, to hear, to understand, and indeed to receive what you want us to know. And Lord, if you nudge us or challenge us, may we respond willingly and eagerly. Amen. I'm going to have a look at that passage from St. Matthew's Gospel, it's on page uh, 967. Because we're reading there in uh, in that passage this morning, part of how John the Baptist prepared the the way for Jesus. You see, he had a key role uh, in preparation for Jesus Christ's ministry, a role which God had planned uh, centuries before. In fact, it was eight centuries before that uh, Isaiah wrote about this voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And John the Baptist was to be that voice. You know, when I was preparing this, I thought to myself, isn't it amazing how God plans so much in advance? and plans things for certain individuals. I wonder what sort of plans he's got for each and every one of us. I wonder if you ever stop to to think about that and to find out what God has planned for you and to share with him, talk with him about what he's got in store for you. Certainly worked out in a big way as far as I was concerned. But also interesting, isn't it, that Father Zechariah had prophesied that John would go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way. And so today in that reading, we do see, we see John the Baptist just stepping out onto the stage of history as the forerunner of Jesus. John, as you probably all know, was just six months older than his cousin, uh, Jesus. And we, we, we meet him here in what I call the sort of the parish of St. Desert of Judea. 
and it was an arid wilderness uh, between the Jordan and Jerusalem. And his message uh, to the folk there, as he prepares the way for the arrival of King Jesus, is very simple. And he thunders out over and over and over again that single word, repent, repent. Can you hear him? Repent. And he points to each individual, pointing out, repent. That's the message. That's what he wanted to really drive home. You see, Jesus would soon appear, and he knew that Jesus would not and could not reign over people who just clung to their sin. They were living in the kingdom of darkness, and God's plan for them was citizenship of the kingdom of light, the kingdom of heaven. And they had to change their ways. They had to change those ways sincerely and quite genuinely. And of course, repentance was part of what had to happen and part of making that straight path for the king of kings. Some of you will know that in ancient Palestine, roads were very simple tracks on the hard-baked earth, uh, apart from the occasional highway which uh, had been built for prestigious purposes by some king. And those main roads had been built uh, by the king's command, and it was the local inhabitants who'd had to uh, prepare such a highway for their king. But now, a new king was coming, and part of John's mission was to prepare that straight road for God's kingly rule coming about through in and by Jesus. So, repent! Repent! Over and over again. A simple message, clear, but probably not very popular. Because what does repentance do? Repentance brings to mind, in unambiguous terms, an awareness of sin. And the people became aware of their sin as he spoke about repenting. They had to remove from their lives all that would hinder the reign of Jesus. Well, that message certainly made an impact, and uh, we read how the crowds came to be baptized in the River Jordan. Clearly many responded, saying in effect that they wanted to give full allegiance and obedience to the coming king. Others, though, amongst them the Pharisees and Sadducees, exhibited few signs of true repentance. And John really denounced them, didn't he? Calling them a brood of vipers. I wonder what that says to you. You know, snakes are cunning, aren't they? Snakes are deceptive. They appear to be still and harmless, and then suddenly they reveal their true nature with its dangerous venom. And John recognized the true nature of those Pharisees and Sadducees. They said, sorry, they didn't really mean it. They only pretended that they wanted to escape from the wrath to come. And in no way did their so-called repentance bring about a change in their lives. You see, if repentance is real... If repentance is sincere, 
It has a transforming effect. And that's evidenced in behavior, in attitude, in speech, in action. True then, true today. God wants us to be real. He wants us to be honest with him when we repent. It's not just a matter of saying, oh, I'm sorry, but actually giving up the sinful ways and going God's way. Time to walk the talk, isn't it? Well, the insincere repentance of the religious leaders virtually called God's bluff. It was almost as if they were saying, well, God doesn't really mind that much about sin in our lives. Oh, and in any case, oh, uh, they just rested in the fact that they were descendants of Abraham. They believed that their pedigree was their spiritual passport. How wrong they were. And how wrong many are still today. The grace of salvation is not transmitted in natural birth. Our salvation isn't ours because oh, we're British, or because, oh, sat one A even better, uh, or because our parents were Christian. In fact, it's all in God's gift. So much so that we read there that God could make children of Abraham out of stones, if that's what he wanted and chose to do. Could make Christian disciples out of stones, if that's what he wanted and chose to do. But John's message didn't stop there. If we look at verse 11, we find him addressing his mixed audience with a relevance that still pertains today. He, John, could only baptize with water for repentance. That repentance, however real, did not bring about full salvation. His ministry was only preparatory and partial. The Messiah would completely overshadow him. He would be mightier. He would be far more powerful. John only baptized with water for repentance. But Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then John goes on to use that vivid illustration about judgment. How and, and, you know, as we look back on that, God plans all that is best for us. But if we reject his offer, then we reap the consequences. That picture of the trees that are unfruitful, that are cut down and burnt. In fact, we read there that the axe is poised and it's ready to chop down the useless tree. You see, the man or woman, the boy or girl who truly repents and turns in believing faith to Jesus responds by bearing fruit. It's there in Matthew chapter 7. By their fruit you shall recognize them. If there's no fruit, then repentance has been shallow and pretty meaningless and the axe will be put to use. Wow! It's stern stuff, isn't it? And in verse 12, to underline the point, John speaks again about the final separation. He pictures Jesus with that winnowing fork, gathering the wheat, the believers, into the barn, while the chaff, the unbelievers, are burned with unquenchable fire. Ooh, these are solemn truths. Solemn truths. But solemn truths such as this are really welcomed, are they? And 
I made a note here, I don't think John the Baptist was in receipt of many invitations to afternoon tea. People didn't really want him in their sitting room. Prophetic voices as they foretell and foretell are not generally welcome. Yet far better, far better to hear now and to know the truth now than when it's too late. In Peter's epistle, we read that the Lord is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Shall I read that again? The Lord is patient, not wanting anyone, anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You see, God's perfect plan for you and me, for all our loved ones, for every created human being, is very clear. That axe is poised. He doesn't want to use it. He's a God of love and mercy. He's a God of forgiveness, a God of new beginnings. You know, if we had what we deserved, then we'd all be heading for a hopeless end. But because of God's grace and mercy, we have an endless hope. Well, John was indeed the forerunner of Jesus. He just prepared the way for the Lord. He, who was to become greater, just as John became less. He was that outrider preceding the royal retinue. He was just blazing a path for the king, and he sought no glory for himself. He was that trumpeter blaring out the royal fanfare to herald the arrival of the monarch. And of course, eyes must have turned initially to him. But soon, soon they would look beyond to see the one he proclaimed. Well, what about us in 2016? What about us? Are we forerunners in any way? Are we preparing the way for the unsaved to meet with Jesus? Is ours a voice calling out in the desert? I prepared this sermon while on holiday in Tenerife. Uh, we came back on Tuesday. And while there, last Sunday, uh, and we were sitting around the swimming pool, uh, church day, but I realized that we were in a spiritual desert. I don't think anyone there thought about church or, or, or God. You know, should I do a John the Baptist <laughs> on the crowds and around the swimming pool? Repent, arrepenten, arrepenten. You know, most of them spoke English in any case. But I soon chickened out. <laughs> But you know, back here now, I know that the desert is as real as ever. There are thousands out there, some on our doorstep in this parish, who are in a desert, unaware of that oasis where they can rest and be refreshed. You know, through God's grace, we have found that oasis which is located in Jesus alone. Oh, it is an awareness of my sin that drove me to seek the Saviour. As a sinner, of course, I have a common link with every man, woman, and child. We're all sinners together. And Jesus uniquely has the remedy. But why should my next-door neighbour, and yours, why should they, 
if they are totally unaware of their condition or their fallen state, need a remedy. Do we love sufficiently those in our family who don't know Jesus to actually set about preparing the way for the Lord to make a straight path in their lives for Jesus? Do we love our unsaved friends and neighbours, our colleagues at work, the many who we meet regularly, to actually prepare a way for them to meet the Saviour? Do you know the unforgiven sinner without a Saviour still heads for a hopeless eternity? Well, we may not have the boldness of John the Baptist to shout, repent outside St. Juan's food hall. It's an interesting thought, though. Anybody coming with me? No, but we can pray. We can testify to our faith when opportunities arise in everyday conversation. We can reflect the light and love of Jesus in the way we live our lives. It's Billy Graham, you know, who said... We are the Bibles the world is reading. We are the creeds that the world is needing. And we are the sermons the world is heeding. The way you and I live our lives can speak very loudly about Jesus. Johnny Erickson Tada, the disabled writer and speaker, often says to her audiences, oh, you'd all think it a great miracle if I got up out of this wheelchair and walked. Well, you'd be wrong. The greatest miracle is that I'm saved. You know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus came into our world to be the saviour of all who acknowledge their sin and turn to him in repentance in believing, trust, and faith. And one day in the future, he'll return again in judgment. But meanwhile, each day in present time, he comes with saving grace to rescue lost sinners. Now someone prepared the way for Johnny Erickson Tada to experience life's greatest miracle. Someone indeed, more than one, prepared the way for me to receive Jesus as my Saviour. I pray, in fact, I pray because I felt really challenged by this when I was preparing, that I believe that God is challenging each one of us to prepare the way to make a straight path in the next 28 Advent days for Jesus to be born into the life of someone in particular. Maybe for more than one person. That each one of us would re- what a, what a transformation in this parish, in this island. I don't know how many we are here this morning. But each one of us preparing the way for some individual, perhaps for more than one individual, to meet with Jesus, for Jesus to be born into their lives. You may not be confident about how to go about it. But ask the Lord how he wants to use you. And remember, the Lord is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And I'm sure, I'm absolutely sure, 
that he's looking to each one of us to play our part for that to come about in someone's life, maybe in several lives. We may not go about it the way John the Baptist did, but the Lord knows how to use us if only we're willing to be used. I'm not going to pray now. I've got to go to St. George's quickly. But I suggest that just for a moment, you have a word for the Lord and you respond to that challenge. So, Lord Jesus, as you are with us, so would you help each one of us to be a forerunner, to prepare the way in the spiritual desert in which we live. Lord, help us to live out that straight path, whatever that means for each one of us to the people we love and the people we know. Help us to be that people who will be bold for you to take up the opportunity during these 28 days of Advent that as Brian has prayed so that you would be born anew in some of the people that we know and love and care about. For you were born, as the great Carol says, to give us second birth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.